Please open your Bible to Paul's letter to the Romans, and to chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And I'd like to read a few verses at the end of the chapter, and then a couple of verses in chapter 12. Romans chapter 11, beginning reading at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counsellor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. To whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we ask now that by the work of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand the text of Scripture before us. I pray that you would impress these truths upon our hearts. We seek your blessing now. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, Over the last four weeks, we've had what I hope has been plenty of uplifting preaching from this pulpit as we've focused on the Christmas story and what it means. Uh, On the first Sunday in December, we considered the birth of Jesus in the grand sweep of redemptive history. We moved from Mount Sinai to the manger in a single sermon. And then for the two Sundays after that, and on Christmas Day, we zoomed in on particular parts of the narrative, uh, the decree of Caesar Augustus, the significance of the manger, and the visit of the wise men. Now last Sunday, which was the last Sunday of 2021, we went to the cross and reflected on the behaviour of those who passed by and what that tells us about Jesus' suffering and about Jesus' love. And as I said, I hope all of those messages were encouraging. Uh, We needed encouragement at the end of a long and difficult year. And I hope this message today will be encouraging, but in a different kind of way. We're going to begin this new year with a serious family talk, if I can put it like that. I'm going to talk to you about one of the greatest challenges we are going to face this year as followers of Jesus. Now, this is one of the greatest challenges we face every year, but it's never exactly the same. It changes a little bit depending upon our age and stage of life and according to what's happening around us. This is something that is going to come against us There will be times when we feel this as a kind of pressure and we're not going to like it. But there will also be other times and other contexts where we're going to be drawn to this. We're going to want this and we know we shouldn't. So what is it? What is this challenge that we're going to face this year? Well, it's here in Romans chapter 12. It's in the first part of verse 2. The Holy Spirit says via the pen of the Apostle Paul, and be not conformed to this world. 
It is absolutely certain that in 2022, you and me, we are going to be pressured into conforming to this world. Pressed, pushed, maybe even coerced into it. Will we be courageous enough and strong enough to stand firm? And then there will be occasions and circumstances where we will want to conform to this world. It will appeal to us. We will want to be like the world in ways that are not good for us, that are not wise, that are not in keeping with our confession of faith. As followers of Jesus, we'll know we're called to resist that temptation. So will we? This is the theme of our message today. And I want to begin by making sure we understand what God's word says here. There are two key words in the first part of verse 2, the word conformed and the word world. Now the Greek word translated conformed is straightforward enough. It means to fashion alike or to fashion oneself according to the same pattern. Uh, your five closest friends have all cut their hair a certain way or they've started drinking turmeric lattes or they've started using TikTok and you choose to do that as well. You fashion yourself, your behaviour, your thinking according to the same pattern. That's the idea this word communicates. And it's something we all do. We all conform to certain social and cultural norms and that's okay. That's part of being human. Even those who pride themselves on being non-conformist usually end up fashioning themselves after one particular subculture or another or they take on certain attributes from a, a range of different styles or ideologies. And what the Lord says to us here is that as Christians we are not to be conformed to this world. So it's very important then to understand what this second word means. This word world. And I'll get to that in a moment, but before I do, I want to tell you what this doesn't mean. The Lord is not saying to us in this verse that we are not to participate in or enjoy the things of this world. He is not saying that we are not to appreciate or identify with any of the phenomena that pertain to our culture. God has given us the natural world. God has given us art and music and sport and literature and philosophy and many other things that enrich our lives. We are not somehow conforming to the world when we pursue these things and enjoy these things wisely and lawfully. We're also not conforming to the world if we dress a certain way or have an interest in popular culture or enjoy watching movies or sport as long as we do so wisely, as long as we do so under the rule of the Holy Spirit, under the direction of God's word. That's not what this word world is referring to, the things of this world. So what does it mean? Well, for you Greek scholars out there, this is not the word you might expect. This is not the word cosmos that the Apostle John is fond of using in his gospel and in his epistles. This is the word ion. It's a word that refers to a period of time and all that exists and all that takes place in that period of time. Uh, the English word age is a good synonym. We might translate the text this way, and be not conformed to this age. 
Be not conformed to the world as it is today, the world in which we are living. Now in Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, the Apostle Paul uses the same word in a way that helps us understand what he means here in Romans chapter 12. Speaking of Jesus, he says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. There's our word, I own, according to the will of God, our Father. Paul calls this world, this age in which we're living, evil. He tells us that Jesus came to deliver us from this world, to save us from it. And he did so by giving himself for our sins. The world in this context is a phenomenon that has moral value. A phenomenon that has spiritual value and it is something that we were part of, something we needed rescuing from. It was hard to put it in a, into a single sentence but the world in this context is the sum total of human society as it now is in Adam. Fallen Sinful and rebellious. Christians have been delivered from this. They are now in Christ. The term encapsulates the way men and women think and behave in Adam, in their fallen condition, under the dominion of Satan. In my study I tried to think of a a really simple way to explain this. And the best I could come up with this is this. God says go one way and and the world men and women who have not been saved by Jesus naturally go the opposite way and what the Holy Spirit is saying here in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is don't join the world in going the opposite way now those who have not received new life in Christ naturally think differently to the way God wants us to think don't think like they do The world has a different set of priorities. Don't make them your priorities. The world has a different morality. Don't let it be your morality. Don't fashion yourself after the same pattern because it's the opposite what God wants for us. And it's actually what his son has saved us from, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So that's the interpretation of this text. That's the exhortation that the Holy Spirit impresses upon us as followers of Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to do now is take a few minutes to trace out some of the ways in which we are going to be tempted to conform to this world in 2022. Now, based on what happened last year, I think there is a pretty good chance that these are the areas where we are going to be really challenged. I'm going to mention five of them. Okay, I could mention ten or twenty, but mercifully, I'm only going to mention five. And I'm going to move through them fairly quickly. Number one, we will be tempted to be fearful. I mentioned this first. Because it is probably the thing that has most characterised the world in the last couple of years. Or at least it's in the top three. The world at present is marked by fear. Many are dominated by it. 
and you don't need me to tell you why. We all know what's been going on. People are anxious. And that anxiety has led to all kinds of other problems and we are going to be tempted to fall into line, to become like everyone else out there and allow fear to get the better of us. And it's a real challenge not to. It's a real challenge not to become anxious, not to allow ourselves to be swallowed up by worry. I've had a great struggle with this over the last couple of years, so I know what I'm talking about. When Jesus saved us from this present evil world, he saved us from fear. We don't have to be afraid like the world is. This phenomenon doesn't have to characterise our lives like it does the lives of those around us. Furthermore, God says to us in his word over and over again, Fear not. Fear not. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Number two, we will be tempted to be lustful. Now the world worships at the altar of desire. Money, power, fame and pleasure, these are its sacraments. The highest good is to be able to fulfil one's strong desires. It's the meaning of life for many people. And these desires are constantly being fed and stoked and shaped by people that want to sell us things. By people who want our attention. Now let's be honest this morning. This is very alluring. This is an area where we're not really pushed or pressured. It's something that we're drawn to, to to live a lustful kind of life. Whether it's money or sex or possessions or power or the approval of others or whatever it is our heart desires, we are all tempted to conform to the world in this way. We are tempted into becoming people guided and motivated by our strong desires. Our desires can rule us instead of them being ruled by the Spirit of God. And it is a very unhappy and destructive way to live. The evidence is all around us. As Christians, we are to walk in the Spirit. And when we do, we won't be ruled by our strong desires. We will not fill our lives with the destructive works of the flesh, but with the life-giving fruit of the Spirit. Number three, we will be tempted to be prideful. That's what this world is. It's full of pride. In fact, pride is something we're supposed to celebrate. Now, Pride Week, Pride Month. Now, the last couple of years seem to have been especially rancorous and divisive. People have been as quick as ever to take a side and pour scorn on those on the other side. There has been a lot of anger and a lot of nastiness in the political discourse on social media, on the streets, in families, even in churches. And where does this all come from? It's not because people have strong opinions. Having an opinion, having a view on a particular political issue is not the problem. All of the rancour and the divisiveness and the nastiness flows out of people's pride. (laughs) 
I am right and you are wrong and I need my view, my opinion to prevail. It's the exaltation and the assertion of self. And I strongly suspect that 2022 is going to be just as bad as 2021 on this front. We Christians are going to be tempted to play right along. To allow our pride to rise up and flow out of our mouths in conversations with others and onto our social media accounts. We're going to be tempted to argue. We're going to be tempted to speak ill of those who don't share our perspective. We're going to be tempted to be divisive. We're going to be tempted to justify what really is prideful, selfish, worldly behaviour. Number four, we will be tempted to be cynical. This is a feature of our world today and it's like a coin. On one side, we've seen the rise and rise of people who behave cynically. People who claim to be speaking for others, who claim to be acting in the interests of others, but who are mainly driven by self-interest. They manipulate people, they play on their grievances or they play on their goodwill in order to accumulate power and influence and wealth for themselves. And then on the other side of the coin, we've seen the rise and rise of the attitude that believes that most people operate this way, that most people do in fact act in bad faith. That everyone is essentially in it for themselves. This is the mindset that is deeply sceptical of people's motives, that is always distrustful and pessimistic. As Christians, we are to be people who think and people who think carefully. We are to be people who exercise discernment, people who are wise enough to recognise insincerity and manipulation when we see it. There is a necessary and healthy level of scepticism that we must employ, but we have to be so careful that we don't become cynical like the world is. Cynicism is the opposite of hope and it's the opposite of love. Love, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, believeth all things. That is, it chooses to believe the best about people until it has sufficient reason to believe otherwise. And as I said, this is the opposite of cynicism. Cynicism. Cynicism chooses to believe the worst about people until it has reason not to. Cynicism is a deep well of darkness. Cynicism is a poison that slowly destroys the good in our lives. And for some of us, we're drawn to it. This is one of our great struggles, not to be like the world in this regard. And then finally, number five, we're going to be tempted to be spineless. Now we live in an age marked by a lack of courage, a lack of conviction. We live at a time where I would say most people are pretty happy to go along to get along. Now being gracious is a Christian virtue. Giving up our preferences for the sake of others is often what Jesus calls us to do. We have whole chapters in the New Testament that talk about this. And we could do with more of this in our community and in the church. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a willingness not to do what is morally right for the sake of personal gain. And because it's just the easier path to take. 
I'll give you an example of this that's been in the news. I know you might have a different view and that's okay, but this is how I see it and I think it well illustrates the point. The Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide against the Uyghur people who live in Western China. By many accounts, there are around a million people in what are effectively concentration camps. There has been a campaign of forced sterilizations and many other human rights abuses. And this is just one of many terrible crimes against humanity being perpetrated by the CCP. And yet, in February, the Chinese Communist Party will host the Winter Olympics and get to show how great it is. And all the nations of the world will participate because it's easier to compromise. Because there are huge amounts of money at stake for broadcasters and advertisers and many others with their fingers in the Olympic pie. The same nations that refuse to play sport against South Africa during the era of apartheid will happily send their athletes to Beijing. Principles of freedom and human rights don't matter so much after all. This is how the world operates. It is willing not to do what is morally right for the sake of personal gain or because it's the easier path to take. And we will be tempted to operate in the same way at one time or another this year, I guarantee it. We will be tempted to save ourselves from embarrassment. We will be tempted to save ourselves from conflict or from missing out on something by being spineless by compromising when it comes to our Christian beliefs, the pressure will be on to be just like everyone else. So there it is. Five ways we're going to be challenged to be like the world this year. And as I said, I could have mentioned many more. This exhortation is far-reaching. But I don't want to finish here because you might be thinking, oh, that's great, Pastor. Thanks for telling me how difficult it's going to be to live the Christian life this year. And what a way to start. That's really encouraging. Well, perhaps you're thinking, how is this possible? How can I, as weak and as worn out as I am, stop this from happening? How can I resist becoming fearful, lustful, prideful, cynical and spineless? I can't. It's too hard. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit has told us how. It's in the very next part of the verse. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, brothers and sisters, it's not just a matter of saying no. It's not just a matter of trying not to give in to fear or trying not to be cynical or spineless. That won't work. We haven't got it in us to resist the temptation and the pressure to conform to this world. We need to be moved in the opposite direction. We need to be fashioned according to a different pattern. The pattern that we see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. To avoid being conformed to this world, you know, fearful, lustful, prideful, etc., etc., we need to be actively and continually transformed, and this transformation takes place, we're told in our verse, by the renewing of our mind. It happens at the level of our mind. 
how we think, what we think. And from there it spreads downwards into our attitudes and our values and then it spreads outwards into our behaviour. Now we could have a whole sermon on what this involves, how this works. Very simply, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and our mind, our thinking is renewed by the Spirit of God as we receive the Word of God. God's revelation of himself and his will, the Word of truth. Now this transformation isn't a a one and done kind of thing. It's not something that occurs in a moment of spiritual crisis or when we have some elevated spiritual experience. It's an ongoing process. It's a a lifelong process that takes place as the Holy Spirit helps us understand God's Word. As He reveals to us God's all-glorious Son, our Saviour and our King. This transformation occurs as the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, convicts us of sin and leads us to repentance. As He leads us to make real change to our manner of life. It occurs as he teaches us how to apply God's word in our everyday lives. The Apostle Paul describes this process in another of his letters, his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18. He says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now we see the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. And we see Jesus Christ in God's word. As we behold him, as we behold his glorious works, his glorious person, his glorious promises, we are changed. By the spirit of God, more and more we are made to resemble Jesus. In the way we think, in our attitudes, in our speech, in the way we treat others. But again, we've got to behold him. We've got to open this book and see him. His person, his works, his words have to get from off the page and into our minds. There is no renewal of the mind apart from the word of God. Without the mind being renewed, there is no transformation If there is no transformation, we will conform to this world. We will not be able to resist. The Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is fashioning us into the likeness of the Son of God, or we are being pressured and tempted into conforming to this world. This answers the how question. And be not conformed to this world. How can we possibly do that? By being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that necessarily involves receiving God's word. You don't want to be fearful, lustful, prideful, cynical or spineless this year? Read your Bible and think about what it says. Come to church on Sunday, twice if you can. Listen to the sermon, think about it. Talk about it with others. Come to one of our home groups when they resume. These groups where we study the Bible together. Listen to the scriptures on your phone or listen to some good Bible teaching through the week. Allow God, by his word, to fashion your mind and your heart and your manner of life in the likeness of his son. 
This is how we can overcome this great challenge we're going to face in 2022. But there's one last part to it. One last question that I must answer. And that is the why question. Why should we not be conformed to this world? Why should we bother with any of this that I've talked about this morning? Three reasons, and I'll be very brief. Number one, because God commands it. This is not optional for those who follow Jesus. This is a word for us to obey, just like all the other commands that are given to us in Scripture. And then number two, because being conformed to this world is bad for us. It's better for us not to be, not to embrace the thinking and the values and the morality of this world. It's far better for us to go in the direction that God wants us to go, to fashion our lives according to his word. That is the way of life, the way to experience real joy and real peace. The way of the world leads only to disorder and brokenness and misery and death. Why would we want to go that way? And then reason number three, because not being conformed to this world is fitting for those who have received God's mercy. I'll say that one again. Because not being conformed to this world is fitting for those who have received God's mercy. This is the basis of Paul's appeal for living the Christian life. For living a life that is pleasing to the Lord, it's there in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now Jesus, by his blood and by his cross, has graciously and mercifully saved us from this world and from where it was taking us. And so it is entirely appropriate that we, out of love for him, out of gratitude to him, should honour him by not going the world's way. It is fitting for us to take on this challenge. It is right for us to keep the cross before our eyes and resolve today that by his grace, in this new year, we will not be conformed to this world. May God help us. Amen.